Green Mountain Dental Group is located in Lakewood, and they're the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. They're big Colorado sports fans, and they've got a sweet deal for those of you who head down there. Uh, when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. So check out Green Mountain Dental Group, get that free Sonicare toothbrush, and support fellow Colorado sports fans and business owners. So on behalf of all the black men that I've mentioned tonight and many more out there who've had the most of the same experience that I've, I've had in my lifetime, we say this to all of our white friends. When we tell you about our fears, please listen. When we tell you we're afraid for our kids, please listen. When we tell you there are many challenges we face because of the color of our skin, please listen. And please do not get caught up in how the message is delivered. Yes. Yes, most of us are black men or are athletes, but we are black men first. Understand this, the things that make us great on the field, like our size and our aggression, are the same things that can get us killed off the field. I believe if we start listening, there's no telling the progress we can make. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Man, it feels like education has never been more important in our society. And if you want to further your education online, head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. Uh, really great stuff going on over there. Tons of different programs and, uh, and it's all online. So you can do it on, you know, at your own pace. So check out msudenver.edu slash online today. Well, gentlemen, uh, I don't know if it's surprising, but we are back into a position where sports and football have become secondary and there is a, a, a massive societal issue at hand right now. And we have a platform uh, and we talk about sports and this is most certainly involved with sports. Uh, but today I think we're, we're going to have a conversation about why the Broncos aren't practicing today, why the NBA didn't play yesterday and is not playing today, uh, and have that uncomfortable conversation that a lot of people aren't willing to have, which I think is a big part of the reason that we keep ending up in this situation. So uh, I'm glad to have you guys with me because I know that we can have this conversation today. Absolutely. And especially with this community, it's very, very important to have this. Uh, and it's been a powerful 24 hours in the sports world um, with games being canceled, playoff games being postponed, and then, of course, the Broncos not practicing today. But it's because the conversation needs to continue. This is something that when we talked about it months ago, we said this is something that can't go away. Uh, and, you know, the only way it goes away is if it's resolved. And clearly we're sitting here in August now and it's it's not resolved so it needs to be continued to talk about uh, so props to all of the players and, and the Milwaukee Bucks the Detroit Lions for really leading this the the Lions did it a few days ago didn't practice the Bucks yesterday leading the way in the NBA yesterday that's tough to do extremely tough to do and then uh, good job for the Broncos for for continuing this and as we record this right now the Broncos players are still meeting they're into hour four of discussions on how they can address this so it's it's something that needs to be done and sports are an entertainment sports can be a distraction for a lot of people and the sports world right now is saying we can't distract from this anymore. We, we can't. We have to raise awareness. And so the distraction that we are needs to be put on hold. And that's what's going on in the sports world right now. Well, Sean Doolittle of the Nationals said last month, and it was in regards to trying to play baseball during the pandemic, that sports are the reward of a functioning 
society. This is not a functioning society right now in a lot of ways. With athletes that have been protesting, I mean, yesterday was the four-year anniversary of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee for the first time during the national anthem. And since then, we've seen many others join him at various points in that time. We've seen the Broncos uh, march through downtown Denver as part of a Black Lives Matter protest. So as I sit here, I want to put myself in their shoes because I think that's something we don't do enough of is put ourselves in the shoes of others to try to understand why someone feels the way they do. And what I keep coming back to, guys, is that if I'm an athlete, I think, okay, you didn't listen when Colin Kaepernick kneeled. You didn't listen when a lot of us kneeled in 2017. You didn't listen when we marched through the streets of, of downtown Denver and marched in a lot of places like Justin Simmons was organizing stuff down in Florida, which is part of what led to him being so out, out in front of things in Denver. Are you going to listen to us now? That's, that's the sense that I get. Unfortunately, the Wisconsin State Legislature is one of the most gerrymandered organization, political bodies in the entire United States. So this comes back to another thing. If you're going to try to figure out an endgame for this, I think the first part of the endgame, guys, vote. Do whatever it takes to get to the ballot box and vote, no matter yeah. what. I, it's always an important thing, and it, and it, but it's another one of those things, though, where black people are saying, we try, we've tried, we've yeah. been voting, and, and, you know, for hundreds of years, this has been a problem. So, you know, to me, you say, you, say, you ask the question, Mace, are you going to listen now? Yeah. And the most disheartening thing to me is I don't, there is a, there is a 0% of me that believes that people will listen now, uh, because no one is listening. When, you know, last night I, I kind of reached a boiling point and I tweeted, which was stupid because you just, you just shouldn't, uh, because you do, nothing is ever accomplished. Uh, we all but, went there last night. It's okay. I know, but it's like, you know, and this is why I appreciate this forum so much because you can have nuanced discussions. But, you know, I, what I tweeted was what it, to me is the most unbelievable and hurtful part of this, which is, you can't even say something like unarmed black men and women should not be shot and killed by the police without someone trying to disagree with you. And it, it, it's never a one-to-one, -one, I disagree with that statement. But what it is, is I'm not going to listen to what you said in your very clear and concise statement. I'm going to move your statement to something I can disagree with. So as soon as you say that, Someone tries to tell you about this, the person who was armed and the, and the person who did deserve it. And it's like, first of all, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying something that's very simple and concise. And if everyone was just to say, I agree with that, that would be progress. And it is mind boggling to me that people aren't capable of doing that. Just saying, I agree that innocent people shouldn't be killed in the streets. Like, we that's how far away we are guys we can't even get that to be agreed upon so no one's listening people are just waiting to talk and that to me is one of the biggest problems there's such a lack of empathy out there and in this 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 comparison came to my mind and i just want to see what you guys think about it and listeners if you disagree with me I, i'm i'm totally okay with listening to your side of this but I was thinking to myself, you know, we have a, a lot of sympathy and I think empathy in our country for veterans who deal with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And if a veteran who deals with that was to witness someone getting shot and killed or just shot outside of their home and, th and that put them into an episode, no one would be responding to those people saying, yeah, but the person who was shot deserved it. So why are you upset right now? And I think that's a point that's being missed a lot in why, uh, you know, black people and people in their allies are so upset right now. It's not about this specific situation, but it's about seeing that again, seeing another black man being shot by the police 
it that makes people angry because this is a problem that is not being solved. So it's not, it doesn't matter what you want to say about that specific case. The, the visual of seeing it happen reignited the feelings of, of, of how upset people are over this. So don't think about what, you know, that specific case. Think about it in the way of, of, of PTSD. When you see something that has been a problem and that is traumatizing for you, it is going to reignite those feelings. And I don't think it's a coincidence that everything really started to hit the fan yesterday after we saw the video of the police handing out bottles of water to people who showed up with semi-automatic weapons. So in Kenosha, Wisconsin, you had the contrast of somebody being shot in the back and I mean, I don't want to tell police how to do their jobs, but I mean, if you have to shoot, can't you shoot in the foot or the leg or something like that? Why does it? I mean, this is going to sound simplistic and I might sound like an idiot. Did you guys see you you guys saw Terminator 2 when Arnold was told (laughs) don't kill or at the end he starts shooting people in the leg because he's I mean, because he was told not not to kill or uh, cause potentially a deadly force there but i think at least for me it was it was the juxtaposition what really kind of set me off personally and why i'm i i support the i'll be honest i support the athletes doing this uh what set me off was the juxtaposition of someone being shot in the back you know when in the same time the same police force is giving bottles of water to guys who show up uh who show up armed for battle i just I, I couldn't and, reconcile that. And, and you know, let, let's not beat around the bush. Not just armed for battle, literally <laughs> killed people. Yeah, the guy killed two murdered people. people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it, it just brings me back to something Kareem Jackson said the first time we had this conversation. He said, "This isn't. I, I'm not immune to it." because I'm an athlete. I'm a wealthy, famous athlete. Uh, no, when, when he was in Houston driving a, a nice car, he was pulled over. And the first thing the cop said to him was, uh, whose car is this? Because he didn't believe that a black man could be successful in, in driving this car. And that right there is just, I'm lost for words at, at how we can be at that point in 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 this age right now and we we are and we can't ignore it we can't say oh this is 2020 we got you know we're better than that no we're not and and that's where we are right now and so we had the conversation and the conversation really got going earlier this year but the conversation clearly didn't go far enough and so it it, it's being brought up again and i know it, it stayed here uh, and I've certainly continued conversations um, as, as well during this time. But at what point is it going to break again? And we're seeing it happen again right now. The, these athletes, uh, us, we have a platform to talk about it. And the, the NFL, the Broncos, the NBA, they're saying it needs to be talked about right now. Yeah, and you mentioned that Kareem Jackson story. And Mo Harkless, who was on, on the Trailblazers, shared a similar story. Um, but his Mo had a finishing line there, and and the way that the, that his story plays out to me is why the games are being canceled, and and to me why I personally would have understand if the NBA shut down the season. They obviously did not, but. Uh, Mo Harkless in his story said he was pulled over by a, a police officer. The police officer asked the same thing. Whose car is this? Obviously it was his. Uh, but the finishing line uh, for Mo Harkless was he said, after looking at his ID and going to the car and coming back, he said, Oh man, I, you know, I didn't realize it was you Mo. Good luck in game four. And right. that mm-hmm. hits the spot yeah. because that is where, Mo Harkless realizes this man only cares about me and only uh you know now he wants to be my friend instead of thinking I I am a thief because I'm an athlete because I play for the Trailblazers and that's where these athletes are saying man how can we continue to be a distraction and entertainment for 
these people and not everyone who watches uh, you know is racist or you know only respects uh, black people when they're playing a sport but how can how do you feel how can you feel comfortable going out there and providing entertainment for these people who only care about you because you're an athlete and it's not everyone but there are people like that and that is again where you have to put yourself in those shoes and have empathy and understanding for why athletes are feeling this way. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if more games are canceled. Uh, and I wouldn't be, and I, and I understand why athletes are feeling that way because that must feel terrible. I, I, I know. And I, I, that is every word you say is true, but unfortunately I fear that a lot of people that you talk about that just they don't see the athletes as people. They they see them as just some as people who are out there to just entertain. Yep. I feel like they're going to dig in even more on what they feel instead of trying to actually listen and empathize and understand why they feel this way. I mean, just you look at the Bucks for example. It's not only the fact that um, that the the Blake shooting happened in Kenosha, just down the road from. Milwaukee, but you also have the experience of uh, Sterling Brown a couple of years ago, who uh, who was thrown on the ground by police officers and and tasered, and was wrongfully arrested. I mean, it, it it's it's understandably it's per it's personal, and you, you we've all been in locker rooms enough, and we've all talked to enough guys. We've heard the stories on record and off record about players that have experienced this at some point in their lives. African-Americans who've experienced this. It's some, it's per, sometimes it's, it's the player themselves. Uh, sometimes it's somebody they know, a close friend, close relative, multiple close friends and close relatives. It's a part of the reality that it's heartbreaking to think about having to face it. And, you know, it's, it's something that it, it's got to change, guys. It has got to change. So if I can read the Broncos statement that they put out, I'll read it in its entirety. Uh, after they met this morning, they said, following a team meeting this morning to discuss the horrific events in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the many social injustices around the country, the Denver Broncos have canceled all football activities today. As an organization, we are outraged and disgusted with the shooting of Jacob Blake. Our hearts go out to his children, family, and the entire Kenosha community. While this tragedy took place in Melvin Gordon's hometown of Kenosha, this hits home for all of us. In the strongest terms, we condemn police brutality, excessive force, and these senseless acts of violence that have caused so much pain. It is time for accountability and real policy reform. The players are standing together as a team. More importantly, they are standing up for those who need them most. We applaud the strength, unity, and leadership of the players. The Denver Broncos will fully and unconditionally support them. Today is about reflection and identifying ways to affect meaningful change. The strongest statement we can make is by taking action. It will take all of us. And I think that's a fantastic statement there. And the one line that really jumps out to me is more importantly, they are standing up for those who need them the most. Yep. And because they have a platform, the Broncos have a platform, these athletes have a platform, the people that are getting shot and, and mistreated don't have the platform that, that they do. And so it's come to this level where we, we need this type of thing to happen. And people yeah, are voice gonna... for the voiceless. Yep. That's, what that, that's what that is. Well, that statement was beautiful, but that was the part that hit me the, the most is uh, to, offer, to offer that voice. And you, you, you know, all of us, I think on social media, we've tried to amplify voices that probably have more wisdom on this than the three of us do and uh some this is i think we need to keep empowering those voices and we need to keep amplifying those who really need to speak up and really have something to say on this and someone somewhere is yelling saying what is not practicing going to do well if you're listening to this podcast it means it worked because we are now having this conversation and you know, it's a tough balance for us. Uh, I don't ever act like this is easy um, because it's not, you know, uh, we, pro we, we, can't, we can't come on this podcast every single day and have a podcast about why we need to stop killing black people because our job is to have a conversation about the Broncos. And so 
what the Broncos did today by not having practice is they gave us an opportunity to stop and talk about this. And not only did they give us that opportunity, they gave us no choice. Uh, and, I, and I say that in a good way, but it's not as if we're being forced into this against our will, but it put us in a position where we're having that conversation today. And across the country, on sports talk radio or whatever, places where people want to get away and want to be a distraction. And there are so many times where I love that we can be a distraction for people from the world's problems and from their own personal problems in life. But there are other times, like today, where distractions are not necessary and aren't, uh, uh, don't, help the, don't help what's going on. We need to have the conversations. We need to talk about this. And while I know there's someone listening somewhere who disagrees with the Broncos canceling practice, who disagrees with something that one of us has said thus far, um, we need communities like ours where we can have civil discussions to have them. And, uh, you know, someone that's listening to this, I think, you know, I, I am fully willing to engage with you and have a civil discussion if you're willing to do the same. But that's what we need is our own communities, are, whether they are small or large, have to be where we start. You have to start by having the conversations with the people you trust and the people that you can have conversations with. And not all of us who listen to this podcast or participate in this podcast are like-minded on all things. But I think that as a community, what makes us strong is the fact that we are able to have discussions uh, and we can disagree. But I think the goal is to start by reaching a common denominator. For me, the common denominator is that innocent black people should not be shot and killed. And, and we have to start by there. We have to get there before we can go anywhere beyond that. And if your first response to that statement is what about this, we, we can't move forward. So to me, that's where I wanna be. Uh, that's where I think as a country and as a community and as boiled down to smaller and smaller groups, we have to get there first. And if your answer is, well, white people don't deserve to be killed either. Yes, that's completely true. But this is the conversation that we're having. It's about black people. It's about racism in America, which is clearly not gone, not even close. So to me, we have to try and make progress. And we cannot make progress if you're always trying to move it to the move the discussion. Let's just come to the, the understanding that innocent or, or it doesn't even have to be innocent, honestly. Unarmed black people should not be shot and killed by the police or by 17-year-old kids wielding an AR-15. It just should not happen. It cannot happen. And we all have to agree on that first before we can go anywhere. Yeah, and Ryan, you're 100% right. And that's something that I agree with, with without anything else said after that. You're 100% right. And it appears the conversation is going to be continuing to happen. And the distraction of sports is going to be put on the back burner uh, at least for another couple days, the NHL right now coming out. Um, I guess it's not official yet, but it doesn't appear there's going to be games today or tomorrow. And in my opinion, it, it's good because it makes this conversation happen. And, and that's how it, it, the change happens and starts and continues is when these conversations are happening instead of these distractions. So Ryan, I completely agree with you. Yeah, it's uh you know, sports are the, are the luxury of a functioning society. I mean, I come back to that quote. He was referring to the pandemic, but we can refer to this as well. We got to fix this. I mean, or at least take steps to start fixing this, to, to make progress, not just lip service, not just a, a couple of meetings here and there, real, actual steps. Because, I mean, there was actually something today that I saw um, flashing back to Elgin Baylor of the Lakers sitting out a game to protest racial injustice. He did it in 1959. We've come a long way since then. I mean, there were Jim Crow laws in place in 1959 in large swaths of the country. We've come a long way. We still have a long way to go.
Yep. And again, I think that's another thing that people have to categorically accept uh, before we can move forward. You just, you have to, we, we all have to say, we need to move. We need better. We need progress. Instead of, again, I'll keep going back to it saying, well, but this, but that, stop that. We got to stop, but this, but that we, we have to, before we can make any progress. And I just hope that deep down in everyone's heart, they, they agree that we, we should make our country better for all those who live here. And, you know, Justin Simmons said it. It's been said a, a bunch of times since all lives cannot matter until black lives matter. That's what we're trying to, that's what we're trying to accomplish. We have to, whether it's one at a time or all at a time, we have to, we have to make progress somehow to get to the point that so many people keep trying to say all lives matter, but that's true. But if you believe that you also have to believe black lives matter and you should be able to say that out loud. It's a very, you know, forget organizations and all that, which is another way that people will try to bounce this away from the actual point. It is, it should not be hard for anyone to say that black lives matter. That's the most basic thing. It's yeah. so simple. Yeah. And there shouldn't be any pushback to saying that exact thing, Ryan. Black Lives Matter. It's it's as simple as that. And the good thing that that is coming from this or that gives me optimism and hope about this is the Broncos, they're not letting this go away. They they were very outspoken in May. Uh, when this first conversation came up, then in June, they held their own march downtown uh, to actually do something. They've, they've raised money for, for these causes, and now it's coming up again because it needs to, and it has to. So uh, I'm proud to cover the Broncos because they're doing this. i honestly surprised that there were some teams today that did practice um, and some, some teams that did play yesterday. I was surprised by that. The Nuggets are not playing today. Uh, that's that's the NBA's call. I don't think they're playing any games today. And proud to to cover a team that is is really at the front and center of this. I'll be honest with you. I was disappointed that the uh, the Rockies, when Matt Kemp elected not to play, didn't follow suit. Yeah, me yeah, too. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but and then you know the the NHL. Um, I'm glad. You know, it sounds like they're going to end up. Uh, doing this today but did feel weird that you know they're the they're kind of for lack of a better metaphor late to the party um this is far from a party but you you understand what i'm saying uh it's just yeah yeah the the rockies one hurts because it it just i think so much of this is about unity uh and i i don't think that was on display from the rockies last night which is a shame especially in the wake of uh, Ian Desmond already pulling out of the season for reasons they discussed, some of them which were tied to social justice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, unless you guys have anything else to say, I, I want to say I'm glad we had this discussion. Um, and I think it was productive. And I think, I hope that when you listen to this, you hear uh, the empathy that we're trying to display I I truly don't think anyone in their heart can listen to that co conversation that we just had and think that we're trying to forward some sort of political agenda or anything along those lines. This is about having a conversation and having empathy towards the people in our country and beyond who are feeling pain uh, and suffering right now. And we ha we just have to come to an understanding that that should not happen. And I again, I just I. I you cannot in your heart truly listen to the conversation we just had and think that we're, you know, trying to push politics on anyone. I, just, I, I truly believe that. So uh, we're going to move on. We're going to do the very, uh, the thing that we've had to do a couple times on the show, which I wish we didn't, but make an awkward transition into the comment section. I'm sure there will be more comments about this. Uh, there will be comments that aren't about this. So we're going to, we're going to do the best we can uh, and start by thanking Breckridge Brewery who, supports us uh and has uh has supported our company for a long time and we appreciate that greatly they also happen to make damn good beers uh and maybe everyone could use a beer today maybe it's something a little stronger that's up to you personally but breckenridge brewery puts out fantastic beers 
Uh, so supporting them and supporting us, and we, we always appreciate that. And when you're sipping on one of those beers, why don't you go check out our rugby coverage on thednvr.com, where we now cover all things American rugby, because Colorado is now the place for American rugby. And our reporter, Colton Strickler, is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby. There's, there's so many ways to take this in. Check them out on Twitter, DNVR Rugby. Check them out in the podcast world at DNVR Rugby and also at thednvr.com. Look for our rugby coverage. Colton's doing a great job of breaking down what's going on in the rugby world right now with a lot of changes happening. He's breaking down the game and he's letting you know about the players. So make sure to check out all of our rugby coverage. All right, let's jump into these comments. First one here comes in from Kyle America. He says, did I hear a product placement uh, ad for the green solution at 2150? Did anyone go back and listen to what we, what we were saying then? <laughs> no, I'm just, I didn't. I'm just Sorry. seeing this for the first time. Okay. <laughs> well, someone somewhere will understand what you're getting at there, Kyle. I know earlier this week we did make a uh, reference to uh, the green solution, so maybe it was uh, maybe it was that, mm. but it but it, it certainly wasn't a hidden reference. <laughs> it's too bad there's not a linebacker out there named Green that the Broncos could bring in to offer more depth, and then that could be the real green solution. <laughs> oh wow! Yes. <laughs> oh man, Low Country Bronco, morning boys. As you know. In 2016, Locke threw 23 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. In 2017, he threw for 44 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Finally, in 2018, he threw for 28 touchdowns and 8 picks. All-time in college, that's 99 touchdowns and 39 picks, including his first season. I will take a 2 and some change to one touchdown to pick ratio every time. His NFL numbers thus far also reflect this trend at 7 touchdowns to 4 picks. I recently moved back to Virginia for grad school, but while in South Carolina, our mailman was a Missouri fan. He remembers Drew Locke as a pick-throwing gunslinger. He went as far as to compare him to Cutler. Evidently, Brad, the mailman, didn't review the numbers. If Drew's accuracy and footwork have improved, how do you see his numbers changing moving forward? My guess is that with these details being cleaned up, he pushes into a 3-1 to touchdown-to-pick ratio this season. Getting so pumped for some Broncos football, fellas. Let's get it. Three weeks, LCB. I can definitely, definitely see a three-to-one touchdown to interception ratio, but I don't want to say necessarily this year is when we see that. I've, I've really, really liked what I've seen from Drew through the first 10 practices of training camp, but I still, still do have to listen to John Elway about just tempering the expectations a little bit. I still think Drew's going to be good this year, very good this year, very impressive, uh, but with pressure beating down on him, I think we see a few more mistakes, and he this is really his first 16-game full season. So I don't want to go there and, and put crazy expectations like a three-to-one touchdown to interception ratio. I'll go, I'll, right now, I'll go two-to-one. I think I think he'll be there. I could see it happening as well. What I don't want to happen is for Drew Locke to be thinking about his touchdown to interception ratio. Um, mm-hmm. I think that naturally, as we've seen, and as the numbers that LCB just laid out there. Uh, naturally, Drew Locke is going to throw more touchdowns than he throws interceptions. I don't want him playing thinking about not throwing interceptions because then we will not get Drew Locke at his best. Drew Locke at his best does have a bit of a gunslinger mentality. He just happens to be really good at it, and that causes him to throw more touchdowns than he throws interceptions. So stay slinging, and maybe some bounces go against you. You're going to throw some picks. That's fine. Just keep throwing touchdowns along with them. And honestly, this year, I'm happy with a two-to-one ratio. If he ends up with 24 touchdowns and 12 picks, you know, the Broncos are probably a playoff team Yeah. if he does that. I'm, I'm thrilled with two-to-one. It doesn't have to be three-to-one. Three-to-one, I'm thinking about maybe down the line. Two-to-one, unless, unless he has an injury that limits him to, like, three or four games and it's six touchdowns to three picks. But two-to-one, if he plays a full season, that's an outstanding ratio. I'll take that all day. Totally agree. Dan Burke with the Calvin Anderson quiet emoji. Hey guys, <laughs> after seeing Drew for the past 10 practices, how has your projections for his floor and ceiling changed? From what y'all have been saying, I'm feeling more confident about his floor. I think his floor might now be post broken back Derek Carr slash Andy Dalton, and his ceiling might be MVP Matt Ryan or more dynamic Matthew Stafford. What do y'all think? I agree on the ceiling. I think that's right on. I, I look at the kind of career that Matt Ryan's had and 
he gets a lot of flack, but another few years, and if he can get the Falcons back to a Super Bowl, Matt Ryan's going to have his bust in Canton. And I think a Matt Ryan type of career would be terrific for Drew Locke. I could see him having that. His floor, mm, uh, you know what? I think his floor is pretty high at this point. I think his floor is, uh, you know, someone like like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, uh, worst case scenario, he's still a guy that can start for you and put up some big numbers and do some good things for you from time to time. Uh, so, I don't. I, I think the floor has risen to where he can start for you and do some positive things. The ceiling is somebody who can take you to a Super Bowl. Yeah, let's let's raise the roof here a little bit, Mace, because man, it, it man, I feel like I'm uh, wrong for thinking when you said his ceiling is Matt Ryan. I'm going, ooh, but maybe it's no Super Bowls to Matt Ryan's name that hurts with that. Obviously, Matt Ryan is a really good player. Um, he's just. He just doesn't play like Matt Ryan. So it's just hard to throw his name in there with Drew because I think Drew's going to play a lot different than Matt Ryan. Um, Boy, but his floor is a lot higher than I think it was before training camp started because I've seen his decision-making and he, the moment does not seem too big for him at all. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, Matt Ryan, I would bet a lot of money that Matt Ryan is not going back to or winning another Super Bowl. Uh, or winning a Super Bowl in his career. Um, so I just think that where you want – I mean, we've talked about it a million times. It's not all about rings, but it, it, it kind of is when it comes to legacy. Uh, and you, if it was Matt Ryan with a ring, you'd take it. Uh, and that's the same thing for Matt Stafford. If it's Matt Stafford with a ring, you'd take it. Unfortunately, neither of those guys have one. And in the end, that's what this is all about, right? Like you're trying to build a team to win a Super Bowl. Uh, and so that's, I, I hate that. Uh, and I, I kind of hate that that's what it comes down to because, you know, I've really tried to, uh, as a sports fan, unmarry myself from the idea that championships are everything because I really don't think it is. And being part of this company and the the community that is involved with it makes me realize that it is actually about a lot more than that. But when you boil it down to like one player specific legacy and what is good enough for a player or what the bar should be, I do think it has to involve a championship. Okay. Who has the better resume, Philip Rivers or Matt Ryan? Uh, Matt Ryan. I, I, I agree there. And uh, the other thing, I mean, I don't think Matt Stafford is even in this conversation because of what you're talking about, even though I think Matthew Stafford is in many ways the 21st century version of Archie Manning, an outstanding quarterback trapped in a really lousy organization that has problems that go beyond what you see on the football field. One thing with Ryan and the Falcons is that they got to the Super Bowl once, couldn't get done, 28-3. We all know about that. But they've been in the hunt quite a few times and have done so even with the looming shadow of Drew Brees looming down there with their arch rivals in New Orleans. So if Drew Locke turns out to be Matt Ryan, which means that the Broncos can hang with, compete with, and at more than a few times, knock off Patrick Mahomes and the juggernaut in Kansas City. Guys, I'm ecstatic with that. Yeah, it's uh, just back-to-back seven and nine seasons for Matt Staff or for, for Matt Ryan. It's, it's tough, but Mesa, I totally know what you're saying. It's, it's the big picture. You got to look at the 12-year career. And uh, the other thing with Matt Ryan, that for, he started as a rookie. He started the full season. And Falcons went 11-5 and five and went to the playoffs and uh, turned around a few years of, of struggle. So it's Drew Locke's first season as a starter. And if he comes out roaring like Matt Ryan did as a rookie, another reason to be happy with that comparison. Really quick, 10 years of Matt Ryan playing in the NFL, four straight-up losing seasons. That's, that's weird for yeah. a good That's 12. It's 12 seasons, not it's, 10. It's 12? Okay. okay. Yeah, he came into the league in 08. Well, that's the Falcons effect. Um, all right. Falcons next haven't been a bad organization since Arthur Blank took over. The uh, kind of the, 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 the slappy, you know, fly by the seat of our pants methodology that they practiced for most of their 
first 36 years or so. They, they haven't. They've been a real, honest-to-goodness, quality NFL organization for a while now. So, And Matt Ryan certainly helped that, but that transition was starting when Arthur Blank bought the team. So, All right, next one here is from Bangkok Bronco, and he says, Hey, gents, new subscriber here, but I've been a listener since the days of BSN. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. We got him. Welcome aboard. I'm originally from a town called Kendall in the northwest of England, but almost two years ago, I moved out to Thailand to teach English, hence the username. Due to the virus, I decided to temporarily move back home for now, and your podcast helped me get through all the days of the boring job I had to take when I returned here. So thank you all. Well, thank you for riding with us. Absolutely. I started, I started supporting Colorado sports teams when I was about 12 years old, despite never having gone there. First, I got into the NBA. I was trying to decide which team to follow. My friends decided it would be hilarious if I supported a team known as the Nuggets, given that I'm vegan, and it made them think of chicken nuggets. (laughs) 12-year-old English kids clearly don't have a great sense of humor. But once that was said, the thought of supporting any other team just didn't seem right. As I started following other American sports teams, I decided to stick uh, to the other teams from that area. And that's how I fell in love with the Broncos, the Avalanche, the Rockies, and yes, even RK's buffs. Awesome. I actually DM'd RK on Twitter around draft time to say thank you for the amazing draft coverage you guys provided and assured him that when possible, I would 100% be subscribing. Well, it's my 25th birthday today. Happy birthday, brother. Happy birthday. And there's only one thing I wanted, so here I finally am. No question today is I've gone too long already, but thank you again for all you guys do, and I'm excited to finally feel like a full part of the community. BB out. That's awesome. Man, what, a, what an awesome comment. And, man, we're so happy that, that now you can now comment and say hello. And happy birthday, my man. Yeah, and we don't uh, take it lightly that you asked for it. Uh, you want, all you wanted for your birthday was a subscription to the DMVR. That's, that's pretty damn cool. That is so, so cool. <laughs> from Mets Bronco 50 Hey, fellas, just wanted to hop back on after a while from commenting when it's a little calmer. To say that my fiance's spine surgery went great and uh, she's been in LA getting treatment and physical therapy. So lots of things to get through, but the toughest is past her. Now, Bronco question. I haven't seen much talking about Ojemudia. How's his injury healing? Thanks, guys. Well, first of all, so happy that your fiance uh, is, is recovering and that spine surgery went well. Uh, we'll continue uh, we'll keeping her in our thoughts. Yes, yeah, so, so happy. Thanks for letting us know about that, and we're wishing her the best every day. And for Ojemudia, Ryan, some bad news on him coming in from Vic the last time we talked to him on Tuesday. When talking about Hamler and Ojemudia, Vic said, you don't have to ask me about those guys for a while. So Ojemudia is going to be out for a while. Now, he did say that uh, Ojemudia isn't as, as long as Hamler, but he said a while, so we shouldn't expect him back, really, in my mind, before the end of training camp, which is crazy enough, just one week away, pretty much. And if he's not practicing for the rest of camp, Ryan, he, is, he really hasn't been in that competition for the third cornerback spot. Now he definitely is not in that competition for the third cornerback spot. Um, and so it's, it's not looking good for him being a key part of this defense anytime early in the season. Yeah, shame. Uh, injuries suck, man. And it really sucks when it happens to rookies because they need these reps so badly. Yeah. Uh, and in a year where they're already not getting reps, that's, you know, what 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 are you going to put down for Ojemudia? Like five days of practice or something? Yeah, exactly. And he wasn't even getting meaningful reps necessarily because he was behind everyone else ahead of him. That's yeah, it puts him, it puts him in the conversation for – having to get a game day active roster spot based on special teams because he's put himself behind Devontae Bosby, uh, Devontae Harrison, Isaac Yadam. I'd still say Bosby is the leader in the clubhouse for that number three cornerback spot based on what we've all seen. But uh, I, I don't think Ogemudia makes it there, at least not for the first half of the season. That's how far behind this thing could put him. It, it could uh, place him in a position where we're not talking about him pushing for playing time, barring a bunch of injuries at the position until we get to November and December. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, let me just say, I have a lot of confidence in Devontae Bosby. 
Like Me too. a lot of confidence. Hundred percent. Because the thing that he does that fits so well in that room is he he makes plays on the ball. Yep. And the fact is, with Bryce Callahan on the plays he's in the slot and AJ Boye on the outside and wanting to stay away from the safeties, Bosby is going to get targeted. The equation for him is going to be making plays on the ball because he'll probably give up some 10, 15-yard receptions. But if he's breaking up a pass every game, if he's getting a pick every two or every two to four games out there and finishes the season with four or five picks and uh, 13 passes defensed, then we're sitting there saying, wow, what a year from Bosby. And that's the thing for him is his strength is – anticipating the ball coming in his direction and making a play on it and being aggressive. So I think he's ideally suited for that role in this scheme. He is. And what is one thing that we've heard again for another off season is the defense saying we, all we need to do more is we need to create turnovers. Well, Devonte Bosby easily is the best choice or, or the best guy at doing that for the third corner spot. So to, to me, it's easy. He's the guy. Yeah, I think by the end of the season, you're talking about Devontae Bosby in the same way that you talk about Bryce Callahan or, uh, or even um, A.J. Boye. Like, I, I think that he has the ability to be that caliber of player. It's not – neither of those guys are, are elite corners, but they are very good NFL corners. I think that he has the ability to be a very good NFL corner. And that dude is motivated. I mean, every guy has motivation, but I think it's on another level for him given what he's been through being cut so many times, going through the AAF. This is the shot that he has waited five years for. I don't think he's going to fumble it. Yep. From LDJ, hey, guys, I'm starting to feel that the spotlight the Broncos get on Monday Night Football in different prime times will hopefully alter all the negative perception of this team. And Drew, as I had two examples from fantasy – uh, from a different fantasy podcast one said quote I see why Denver fans are writing us every day their coverage of training camps is unlike anyone else's I got to see so much of their training camp and I think offensively this team is a huge sleeper I'm all in on Noah Fant based on what I was seeing with him and Drew Locke then another fantasy podcast they were skeptical of Cortland Sutton and how good he would be uh, and if he would be as good as he was last year one of the hosts interjected and said okay we got to stop this seriously did you guys watch football last year the guy was amazing I know we have to wait and see on Drew Locke, but come on. Anyways, my question today is, uh, is there one other wide receiver that I think is amazing and slept on as much as Cortland, if not not more, given how fast he is in addition to how he plays? Which would you prefer, Cortland or DJ Chark? Hmm. Baby Chark. It's for all the parents of young kids out there. Is that, is that your choice? I, no, I'm taking Cortland, but I like DJ Chark a lot. This is not a shot on DJ Chark. I'm taking Cortland because I don't think that Gardner Minshew is going to do that much better than he did last year. But I think having Drew Locke with Cortland Sutton and Drew Locke naturally improving means that's going to provide a little bit of a bump to Cortland Sutton and take him to another level. So that's why I'm riding with Sutton here. Yeah, give me Sutton as well for, for many reasons. I just – Man, what, what he did last year and what I've seen from him this training camp, he's Drew Locke's number one target without a doubt. Yeah, he's, he's going to ball. Um, that would be my fantasy advice, although I hate giving out fantasy <laughs> advice because I usually play in leagues with all these people. Um, so it, it seems unfair, but yes, Cortland Sutton is, is Drew Locke's favorite. Uh, and that is been, that's been very clear so far. That's okay. I, he has the timing. He has the experience. I mean, it, he's starting from a higher level with Cortland than he is with Jerry Judy, but it's going to happen with Judy too. Strava Craft Coffee, CBD-infused coffee, and, man, it is delicious. Uh, we've got it on tap down at the DNVR bar, and, um, the, the you know, usually we open later in the afternoon, so it's not always – coffee time but the the staff at the nvr is just crushing through kegs of strava craft coffee cbd infused cold brew it is so good uh and so i i highly recommend you try it and you can actually subscribe to strava craft coffee if you're someone who likes uh to get the beans and all that 
you can subscribe to Strava Crowd Coffee. I have it sent straight to your door for 20% off every single time. Never have to think about it. Uh, that's a big thing that I've noticed as, as you grow up, you start to realize that uh, thing, if you can set it and forget it, it's like the best thing. Like auto pay on the cable bill, amazing. Uh, certain things, if you, you just forget about it, it's awesome. And now you can do that with your coffee by subscribing to Strava Craft Coffee and setting an interval of your choice. So check them out. It's delicious CBD-infused coffee. Guys, yesterday was an off day for the Broncos. And you know what off days are for? uh rex rest and relaxation whipping out the lawnmower and my friends over at manscaped helped me do that with the lawnmower 3.0 it's got that advanced skin safe technology which is so important the 90 minute battery and it's waterproof so you can use it in the shower you could use it in a dark shower because it has the led light as well wherever you want to manscape the lawnmower 3.0 is there for you and might I recommend getting the lawnmower 3.0 in the perfect package 3.0 which you'll get that lawnmower 3.0 you'll get the crop preserver you'll get the crop reviver you'll get an awesome travel bag you'll get disposable shaving mats the list goes on and on and on and now you also got to check out the shears 2.0 luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools which include uh, tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and the medium grit nail file. They have it all over at manscaped.com. So make sure to check them out, manscaped.com, and use the magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase plus free shipping. So if you've got a day off coming up, make sure to hit up manscaped.com right now so you can whip out the lawnmower on that day off. All right, let's move on to Ray City Bronco here. Hey, guys, I was excited to watch the growth of Draymond Jones last season, and I feel like he can make a big jump in year two, personally. I wouldn't be surprised to see him take over the starting job from Shelby Harris at some point. Broncos have a history of defensive linemen making that kind of leap when both Malik Jackson and Trevor Price increasing their sack totals by at least six in year two over their rookie seasons. What have you seen from Draymond during camp so far, and how does he protect for the, for the year? Also, McTelvin Ajim looks like a monster. Will he be in the rotational mix at some point this season? Oh, I agree with him looking like a monster. Yeah, Draymond's been tremendous. He, he's taken the next steps forward. And I think the Broncos have something in the pass rush sub package that is potentially potent with Draymond and Jarrell Casey working together. The practices that, that I've been out at, they've caused a lot of havoc, the two of them working together. I don't know if he takes over the starting job per se, but I think in terms of how the rotation ends up balancing out, I would not be surprised if he plays as many snaps as Shelby Harris does this year. And if you're looking toward the long term, Shelby on a one-year deal, McTelvin Ajim, who has balled out at practice and uh, maybe pushing Demarcus Walker uh, out the door, I could see a scenario, guys, where this is going toward a starting defensive end tandem of Draymond Jones and McTelvin Najim at some point in the next one to two years. Yeah, and that would be huge for the Broncos to do that. Um, and in terms of this year, I've seen nothing from Shelby Harris but good during training camp. But mm -hmm. just, Mace, like you said, the future – is Draymond Jones, and I've seen a lot of great things from Draymond Jones. So I think Shelby will start the season as a starter, but I wouldn't be surprised if Draymond is really taking over that role. Maybe he's not the true starter, but he's the one that you have in there uh, when, when push comes to shove next to Jarrell Casey. He looks like a young Jarrell Casey, to be honest with you. Their, their frame, their size, their style, their strengths, there are a lot of comps between the two of them. Jarrell Casey coming in could be the best thing that happened to Draymond Jones in his development as a, as a pro player, because that's the path that Draymond can take. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Draymond looks good and that's exciting. And McTelvin Ajim, I think he does work himself into the rotation this year. He's so big. <laughs> yeah, he, he is. And he is a, he's a freaking talent. And we've seen that in glimpses throughout training camp. Yep. DM 45. RK. That one hurt. 3-2. We got ourselves a series. Oh, man. That Nuggets game the other night was unfreaking believable. 
Um, the, you know, this series, I wish I could watch from a third party perspective because it has been so freaking good. Uh, like I, I had no, I could not in my heart appreciate the game where Donovan and Jamal Murray both went for 50 because the Nuggets lost and it was painful as hell. Uh, but I was just like, man, I wish I could have watched that game from a third party perspective. And then for Jamal to back it up again with another 42-point game, zero turnovers in the last two games, 92 points. Absolutely freaking absurd. Mm -hmm. So I am trying to uh, appreciate this series regardless of what happens. Um, But I I will say all I was asking for the Nuggets after game three when they got blown out two times in a row was just give me a reason to believe. Give me hope. And they've done that. I'm ready to be hurt. Uh, Wow. (laughs) <laughs> I, I wanted to believe even if it meant that I would be hurt eventually in the long run. Oh. Uh, and so 3-2, you know, every game exists in a vacuum. All you got to do is win the next one, which looks like it's going to happen on Saturday. Uh, and then you got you got game seven and anything can happen. Wow, okay, right. hope can be a dangerous thing, buddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, except I would say that it doesn't sound like there's much hope with Ryan. I w- I'm a little surprised by that attitude. I- yeah, but you buy a ticket, you take the ride, and you know what? If game, when game six happens, the Nuggets get off to a good start, take a lead, then the hopes are going to be sky high. We can do it, we can do it, we can do it. The thing is, though, this is where being in the bubble might hurt them because to win game six in a normal set of circumstances would mean game seven at Pepsi Center. Not always a guarantee, but I think that home crowd would help the Nuggets. You're not going to have that emotional boost, so we'll see. I'll tell you yeah. what, though. I think the Jazz are playing game six a little clenched. I think they, they got to be a little nervous because if you, if you let it get to game seven, Nuggets have already beat you three straight times this season uh, during the regular season when they went 3-0 and against them. And so the Jazz know that they can do it. They're, I think they're the nervous ones and because the Nuggets were counted out when they were down 3-1. So it's almost as if – the Nuggets are playing for for less. There's there's not as much on their shoulders right here. Whereas if the Jazz were to blow it, man, that'd be bad. There's another thing tactically to consider. The Nuggets played their best defensive quarter of the series by far in the fourth quarter in game five. Can they carry that over? If they can, they're gonna have the Jazz on the ropes. It all come it all comes down to how how tough and uh, how engaged the the Nuggets are on the defensive end because if they are, they'll have them by the throat. Yeah, I got my hope back when Royce O'Neal was so scared to shoot a wide open three point shot that he just traveled. Uh, like I was, he, he wanted the ball out of his hands so badly. I was like, oh, okay, they've lost a little bit of their confidence because for a second there, it was like every single player on the Jazz is is like channeling uh, Donovan Mitchell's confidence. And they just cannot miss. And then all of a sudden, the, the Nuggets pick up the defensive intensity. All of a sudden, the, the, the Jazz are on the ropes a little bit. And Royce O'Neal is like, Ugh, and just <laughs> travel. It, it was actually like, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, so I was like, okay, the, you know, the, the Mitchell, you know, they, they ran out of MJ's uh, secret sauce or whatever it was called in Space Jam. Because <laughs> uh, they were all just chugging that stuff. Secret stuff, yep. Yeah, MJ's secret stuff. Uh, and now I have, I have a bit more confidence because this, if they're just going to go into pick and roll and get an open three every time and regardless of who shoots it is going to make it, the Nuggets were going to be screwed. Uh, but maybe, just maybe, they do clench up a little bit. I don't expect it from Mitchell, but everyone else, it's possible. Well, 50, 57 in game one when it was just Mitchell wasn't enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Moving on, let's go to Bobby Boucher. He's got a TLDR, so there we go. Became a Bronco fan after getting immersed in Broncos country and hanging out with a player. Also, I have been impressed with Jerry Judy's interview skills, contrary to a comment that RK had made earlier. Yeah, I'm glad he brought that up uh, because uh, I owe Jerry Judy an apology. And when you say earlier, you mean way earlier. We made that comment all the way back at the Combine about Jerry Judy, uh, just that he wasn't going to be a fun or interesting interview. Turns out, must have just been having a bad day that day. Uh, Because when we talked to him at the Combine, man, he was – he didn't say anything, to be honest. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't excited to be there. Didn't give any, ex- you know, excited answers. Now I think uh, we were seeing Jerry Judy's personality come out a little bit, which like if you follow him on Instagram and you ever watch one of his live videos, you'll see his personality in full display. And he is a fun dude. Like he has a great personality. So I was off on that one. I thought he was going to be a boring interview. No, he's, he's insightful and, uh, and, and his personality is starting to shine through a little bit to the, towards the media. Yeah, and he's still going to be more of a quiet guy, and he's not going to be grabbing the spotlight all of the time. But, yeah, it, it was a fun interview that we had with him, for sure. Totally. Next, next one for Broncos only. Hey, guys, off the top of your head, can you think of two or three plays last year that really demonstrated Philip Lindsay's struggles with pass catching? I guess in the speed of the game, I just didn't pick up on them other than it being an incomplete pass. If you can think of any, then I'm going to rewatch them. Thanks, Broncos only. Two or three years that demonstrated Philip Lindsay's struggles with pass catching. Uh, not not just not off the top of my head, but he just short armed a couple. Yeah, yeah, some alligator arms. Mm-hmm. And you know, and when you think of like how the wrist injury could affect pass catching, you think, okay, the alligator arms thing actually makes sense because if you are blind to the defenders, you might be afraid to reach out your arms and completely expose them if you're dealing with a lot of wrist pain, knowing that if, if someone's going to come blast you, they're going to crash right into your arms and your wrist. Uh, you know, it's not a one-for-one thing that, like, actually catching the ball was affected by a hurt wrist. It's thinking, like, okay, he's short-arming it because he's afraid of putting his hands out and, and exposing them to the defenders. Right, right. That's yeah. true. Exactly. DM... 45 coming in again says, according to Matthew, I hate Denver Barry. One, Phil is a castaway, number two running back, who we should not expect to see many carries. Two, Cortland Sutton is not a true number one wideout, and Denver doesn't have such a threat. Yikes. That guy is uh, quite uninformed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Denver – soon is 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 soon going to show that they have multiple number one wide receivers yeah which is which is why it's going to be interesting when it comes contract time for Cortland Sutton because if Jerry Judy's playing like a wide receiver one I mean we already see uh, how things have gone with Justin Simmons here I mean I'm I'm a little nervous I, I want to see Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy working together for a long time but uh you never know guys yeah yeah you never know yeah there's going to be tough decisions. Um, if you have tough decisions because you have really good players, it's a good thing. It is. Um, yeah. Go P3, P3A News 7. After listening. I think that's Peanut. Peanut. Uh. <laughs> but I like wow. P3A News 7. <laughs> it sounds, P3A News 7 sounds like a uh, Star Wars robot. From Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> R2-D2's cousin. <laughs> After listening to the last pod and the season fast approaching, it made me wonder when is the final cut down date? Thanks, boys. It's guys, it's coming up fast. It's a week from Saturday. Yeah, nuts. I mean, mm-hmm. pe- that's peanuts, peanuts, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. Oh. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. That, it- that that's such a weird thing like normally we're no oh this guy stood out in training camp is he gonna make the rot oh he got cut like there's nothing like or i'm sorry in preseason there's nothing like that now like we just really don't know only watching threes go like first of all it's it's already hard enough to watch the threes go up, up against the threes in practice at least during a training camp game it's the only thing that you have left or in a preseason game uh but yeah it's i, I like do you guys have much of an, a grasp of, like, the standout third-teamer guy that's going to get cut that's going to be a bummer? Because I don't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty easy to eliminate a lot of these guys when you go from 80 down to the final roster. It's just going to be a couple of ones where, where it's a little confusing. Yeah, I mean, Kendall Hinton, I don't think he's going to crack to 53, but that's not a surprise, and uh, he's sitting down there on the threes. There, there aren't going to be a lot of names that uh, raise eyebrows, I think. Yeah, I think it's actually going to be easier to do cut down day in terms of us because the guys, you know, we, we haven't talked about, haven't heard about it. It's 
probably going to be easy to add to that list. Yep. D-dubs. Fellas, sorry this is a long one. For the first time since COVID really hit us and we lost sports, I am really hoping the Broncos don't practice today or haven't, assuming this part is recorded later in the day. There are such more important things happening in the world, and a consistent quote that spoke to me last night was loosely, sports are the luxury of a healthy society, and we are not that right now. I'm so incredibly proud to be a member of this community, however, because such damn good people run it and are involved in the community. From AJ on the Avs pod that drew on Twitter all night to URK making statements that are not political issues but basic human decencies, I am so effing proud, pardon my French, to be in any sort of way affiliated with people who will put such issues about ahead of any sort of bottom line. I love you guys. As soon as I'm able, I'm subbing for life because DNVR for life. Man, wow. that is that is too too cool. It just shows this awesome, awesome community. And D dubs, as you know, Broncos did not practice today. Yep. Yep. Thank you, D dubs, for your support. Um, because not not everyone is gonna feel that way. And that's okay. Uh, to be honest, I'd rather be on the right side of history. That's right. And uh, one more comment here from Count Locula. B. Marsh, Cap, Eric Reed, and others were and continue to be vilified. Don't ever forget that. Go Justice. Love the Count. Very, very well said, the Count. And I'm glad that that's the last comment. We can finish on the note that we started on. And, you know, we don't have to go back through the whole conversation. But the thing I want to say is just listen to people and try to have empathy for how they're feeling. And I, I think if we can do that, uh, we can move forward. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. All right. Uh, and one final shout out as we close the pod here to Manscaped. Uh, they, they have got the, they've got the right tools. Uh, you're going to need them, especially if you're, uh, you know, just strutting around in the, in the hot summer heat here at the end of August. Uh, so check out manscaped.com. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off plus free shipping. That's going to wrap it up for us today. And uh, uh, an important podcast, I think, while, and while it might not be everyone's favorite, uh, it's just something that needed to happen today. So we had some important conversations that the Broncos empowered us to do by canceling practice. Uh, and uh, I think in the end, we will hopefully be better for it. As May said, you know, people didn't listen when they kneeled. People didn't listen when they protested. Maybe people will listen when they stop, when they don't practice. I hope so. That's all, you know, that's what all we can do is hope that it, slowly but surely people start uh, acting with more empathy. But that's going to wrap it up for us today. So have a great day.